Welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. I'm Sam. And um, while Abby is on maternity leave, we have recruited one of our good friends and fellow Tending Lambs um, admins, Amanda. And she will be filling in while Abby is cuddling her new baby and getting used to life with two. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Amanda? Hi. Um, I have been digital parenting for about five years. I have two little ones, and me and my husband live in Alabama. Nice. Right next to me. We're neighbors. (laughs) Yep. Little state neighbors. It'd be great if we were, like, closer state neighbors, because I think a lot of our states border on one another, but very, very far away. (laughs) I know. We're all in, like, this, well, most of us are in the southeast, but, like, just too far. Yep. Yeah. So um, today's topic is going to be major gentle parenting misconceptions, some of which are kind of from the outside in people, you know, what kind of outsiders think of GP when they don't really know much about it. And others that we have here are kind of from the inside, like things that I think um, a lot of gentle parenters misunderstand Uh, especially when they've kind of first come to gentle parenting. So why don't we dive right in to the first one that we have here, which is gentle parenting is attachment parenting. Um, Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) No, that's actually a misconception that I had originally because um, attachment parenting, like I had kind of fallen into some attachment parenting type practices and I didn't initially know that there was like a name for it so happened with my first um and that's when I started noticing more of the gentle parenting stuff so there's some overlap I think between the community um Mm -hmm. and some of the practices that can kind of get confusing especially in like the big Facebook groups and some bloggers and stuff that are more influential yeah I think that one's like that is kind of a big thing and a big reason is a lot of the influential voices like the the Facebook and Instagram influencers are more in line with attachment parenting and so mm-hmm. it can be can be confused now a lot of attachment attachment parenters are gentle parenters you kind of it's almost inevitable but there are different schools of thought that we've gone over um in in a past episode on the different uh, where we touched on the different uh, schools of thought within GP, like um, RIE, RIE with Magda Gerber and Janet Lansbury. Then there's um, NVC, nonviolent communication, which is actually a lot older. I want to say that was like from the 70s or something. Yeah, that's pretty early on. Yeah. Is that when attachment parenting started in the 70s too? I thought I read something like the I'm research sure. that is based on. Well, this around that time. I read the book by Dr. Sears, the mm-hmm. which I think is like the original attachment parenting book. Um, back when Calvin was really little, like just like newborn. Um, but I don't know when he first published that, so I'm not sure actually. I kind of always thought that attachment parenting and gentle parenting were the same thing when I first started, which is mm-hmm. maybe why. 
I had a difficult time um, figuring it out <laughs> by myself. Um, but yeah, I was kind of relieved when it wasn't because some of the, I'm, I'm not an attachment parent. Um, so yeah, it was nice to realize that the gentle parenting can be done on its own, you know? Right. Yeah. And if you want to do them both, you can. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I ended up like doing more attachment parenting with my first and then my second, like wouldn't sleep, didn't like to really be in the carrier, didn't want to co-sleep with us at all. Didn't like, she couldn't sleep if she was in our bedroom. It was ridiculous. I had the same experience. <laughs> and, but it's just like between each kid is so different. And so um, while I appreciate attachment parenting and stuff, um, it just didn't work out like as cohesively as I would have imagined between each kid. And I think gentle parenting is definitely a, a more suitable label for us in general. Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah. have like hard and fast yeah. rules too. I feel like attachment parenting kind of can Maybe I am misunderstanding that. It seemed like it was very um, kind of rule oriented, sort of like if you stepped out of line uh, with bed sharing or breastfeeding or uh, exclusively baby wearing that you weren't attachment parenting anymore. And that felt kind of icky. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know if that's something that, cause I know in the, in Dr. Sears book, he says that you can take these principles that he lays out in the book as you need them and as they work for your family. So I'm sure like at the base, yeah, at the base, it's, it's meant to be just a framework that each family can kind of work from. But I think it's, it's probably just the nature of the social media beast that these things kind of become almost like religious in nature Mm -hmm. where people hold these, like, you know, the baby wearing and the bed sharing and the like, you know, the other aspects of it I don't even remember all the different points but yeah where they hold it almost as like uh, inviolable yeah Yeah. it reminds me anything happens um, for gentle parenting (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, no it reminds me of I just remembered this movie but I think it was called Away We Go and there was one point when the main characters are visiting family I think and they like bring a stroller as a baby gift and the mom is super super offended and I'm not saying this reflects anybody I just thought it just came to mind but um but <laughs> she was like how do you want to push your baby away from you um, <laughs> and they were like what <laughs> oh dude I was that was totally I mean I wouldn't have gotten offended we did get a a stroller from uh, my in-laws when Calvin was first born or well like shortly after and I was like we're not gonna I was thinking we're not gonna use that I'm just gonna we're just gonna baby wear all the time and <laughs> Let me tell you, that stroller has seen some serious miles. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. The amount that my baby wore Weston like qualified me, I think, as an attachment parent in that regard. But then when Poet came along, it was just like kind of a no-go. And then she just, yeah, she just deviated from, from attachment parenting herself. She made the decision. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As it should be. <laughs> Child-led. Okay, so the next point we have on here is that gentle parenting will be easier. And this one, I think, is kind of a big thing in that I've seen in the group. A lot of people kind of be a little bit flustered, like, okay, I feel like I'm doing everything right, but it's still hard. Like, mm-hmm. uh, now what? You know? Yeah, it's certainly not easier at all. 
maybe harder in some respects. Especially when you're overstimulated or tired or you have multiple kids or kids with strong personalities. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, too, I think when people say gentle parenting is easier, when that comes from critics, they're kind of claiming that it's a cop out, like, oh, it's easier not to discipline your children, basically. Mm, Yeah. From the perspective from the inside where people come in and they're, you know, expecting things to get a bit easier and then it's not, I think there is, for me, in my observation, it's, it is easier in some ways because Mm -hmm. we have, so I think we recorded that episode that the, um, you're making things harder on yourself. Oh, we recorded it and didn't ever release it. (laughs) I think I have seen a lot of punitive parents make things harder on themselves than they have to be with unrealistic expectations and with, mm. with approaches that backfire and make the child's response way worse and escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that regard, I think having appropriate expectations, and we say this like a million jillion times, but it just cannot be overstated. Um, that it does help you get through the day. It helps you be more reasonable and helps you feel more at peace with what's happening. Um, However, that doesn't mean that children aren't going to tantrum. They're not going to be selfish. They're not going to uh, get angry and do things that you really don't want them to do. Um, It doesn't mean that they're going to magically listen every time you you know, politely request something from them. It doesn't, those things still happen. And I think people can think coming into GP like, oh, well, if I just focus on connection and then making this connection that, you know, within a couple of weeks, our entire relationship will be like, right. (laughs) <laughs> almost inhuman in how perfect it is. Like I fall into that trap. Like I notice when my I'm kind of having like a week or so or a, a season of uh, feeling more anxious and kind of stretched then is that like my expectations start being not my expectations, but my my concern starts being like, why isn't this working? I'm doing all mm. the right things. And mm. I know better than that, but it still nags at me in that mm. way. Um, I have to be like, that's not what this is about. It's not always easier. And it's not always like just a seamless, like we're doing the right thing. And now everything is super great and much better. Right. Yeah. We do that for so many things too, outside of parenting, like expect Mm -hmm. the experience to be linear and just go upwards and get better all the time. And no, that's just not, not how it goes. There's bumps and backward steps and forward steps. So absolutely. Yeah, that one's a big one for me, expecting linear progress when life just isn't linear and humans aren't linear mm-hmm. and hormones aren't linear and <laughs> like sleep is not linear. No, sleep is not linear and you know, life events and all you know, there's all sorts of things that make it not. So, yeah. Um okay. The next one on the list is that this one's an out from an outside perspective. Gentle parenting is permissive parenting. And now we have a whole episode on the difference between gentle parenting and permissive parenting, but I think it's really worth reiterating um, that this is still a very common misconception and Mm -hmm. super duper wrong. 
Well, and it's a, one thing that turns a lot of people that might otherwise be open to gentle parenting away from gentle parenting because there's just this like idea that's pretty pervasive, it seems, um, just kind of an assumption that it's permissive, but it's, it's just not. Um, I think where people get confused is that it's not authoritarian, but yeah. that doesn't mean that there's an emphasis on uh, parental authority and discipline. Um, those things just are not defined differently, but uh, handled differently, I guess, than like permissive or authoritarian. It just kind of mm-hmm. gets conflated in certain ways. Um, I think this yeah. is also why like new gentle parents feel as though they might be failing because they've yes. given up their authoritarian tools and they're not mm-hmm. really researching and looking for gentle parenting tools that they can use. So they're just slipping into permissive parenting without realizing it. And it's not working because it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I mean, like, I think that's kind of something I had thought of when we were considering this episode was how people uh, assume that gentle parenting lacks proper boundaries and doesn't teach respect. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of the foundation of gentle parenting, I yeah. would argue, is respect for people and their boundaries. Uh, and we consider that in how we parent and model it to our children. But um, it's also how you teach your children to consider others is respecting their boundaries um, and their, mm-hmm. like, like when it's appropriate and developmentally appropriate, um, like teaching them that they are a person with boundaries who does deserve respect and then they can, they'll get to a certain point in development when that's easier for them to project onto others. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas with uh, punitive punish, uh, punitive punishing, um, punitive parenting, you're kind of having these expectations of boundaries and respect, but you're not showing any of that to your children. So you just have the expectation and it's not being modeled to them. So I think there's a, a, a clash with that because they don't know what it looks like. They don't know what it feels like. They don't understand their own agency um, and appropriate dynamics between someone in authority. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Well, I think this one also can come from this <clears throat> this idea. Well, okay, let me give an example of what I, what I was about to say. The like I told you guys before we started recording, but for the audience, um, recently we were just at the playground, and Calvin has gotten into the stage now where he's really liking to experiment with how like other people's responses and who responds what way and he will run and he'll run up to big kids and try and chase them and will push them and they'll kind of like you know brush it off and like okay whatever and walk away or they'll run around to chase him too and he he thinks it's all fun and games and he walked up to or ran up to a baby who's just learning how to walk um and pushed him down it obviously hurt him and the baby was crying and it was all very upsetting and and of course immediately that pressure as a mom and i know my husband felt it too like oh no like they're gonna want us to spank like you can kind of feel that pressure like the parents are almost upset with you and in that moment i know my kid i know calvin is 
he's experimenting he's playing around he's saying like what happens here but what they see is like he's being mean or he's Mm -hmm. doing something he shouldn't do he's pushing this baby and you're not spanking him and to parents that are still in a like punitive mindset that's permissive it is permissive or that like that's how they see it no matter what your reasoning behind it is they see it as permitting him to push a baby now that's not what happens like if he were to continue with that he's two and a half so it's not like we can just expect him to control himself in that way completely yet Uh, if that kind of thing continued we'd have to just remove him from the situation Uh, he sorry go ahead i was gonna say um addressing things it's not that it doesn't happen. It's that it happens differently. So when someone's expecting you to spank a kid that has done something that um, is, I mean, obviously problematic for whomever, um, and you don't, they just, they don't even, they don't see the full context um, mm-hmm. or what's a teaching moment for someone who's a gentle parent. Right. They're only working from the framework of, um, mm-hmm. of being punitive. Right. And your story kind of reminds me of um so to contrast this there was one time when i think weston was oh gosh mm, two or three because Paul was a baby and we were at this little place called cartwheels and coffee where the mom can have coffee but there's like a super safe play area you can kind of sit by and it was really great for younger kids and sometimes they were older kids but there was this one time we went where this little girl was being really ugly to us like five or six and so there was it was different. Um, whereas like if another toddler had been ugly to him, it would have been, I don't want to say more developmentally appropriate, but more understandable. But there was one point where mom's watching all of this. She's, she's pulled his hair a few times and uh, the mom and other relatives aren't really paying attention. And I'm stepping in to be like, no, you're not gonna do that. And she stared him down at one point, walked over to him and slapped him in the face. And (gasps) Ooh. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on behind that, but the mom did nothing. That is permissive. That is problematic, wow. and that is when people become unsafe. Um, I mean, her own child obviously was struggling with some things. I don't want to be like, oh, that girl, but um, to not even respond, that's that's permissive. Yeah. Now that was that's a huge difference. Yeah, I picked up Calvin. Uh, Quine brought Calvin to me and then I brought him over to the baby who was still crying and said, Oh no, our friend is crying. You hurt our friend, you know? And, and he, he had come when Quine brought him to me, he was saying, baby, ow, baby, ow, wow, wow, wow. Like he like processing what had happened. You know, he's, like I said, he's experimenting and kind of figuring out all of these things. And so I knew that's what was going on, but my internal pressure was like, uh like so yeah. nervous. But you encourage um, reconciliation, which is a really great thing to model and encourage in our children when they do act impulsively and do something inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next on the list is developmentally appropriate means it's okay and you never address it. So yeah. Abby brought this one up and I think it was really worthwhile to bring up again and to drive home. Um we say, oh, yes, this X, Y, and Z is developmentally appropriate. We say it a lot. There are a few things 
that kind of gets circled back to over and over and over again in the gentle parenting community. And one of them is developmentally appropriate expectations and how important they are. But that doesn't mean that just because something is expected for a certain stage of development that you just leave it alone, you don't address it, you don't talk to it, you don't correct it, you don't uh, redirect, you don't do any of those things, um, or you don't stop a behavior. Like coloring on the wall may be perfectly appropriate for a certain age, like, well, appropriate, <laughs> you, but you know what I mean. It may be perfectly, like, reasonable to expect it, but that doesn't mean you don't stop it. Right, and I, the emphasis on knowing what is developmentally appropriate is expecting it and also responding to it in a way that is appropriate for their development. Like, there's two halves to this. Yes. Um, I think people can miss that. This is why... We don't have markers in my five-year-old's room. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so many times where something has happened and I have just been like, you know what? I did not do the thing that would have prevented that. So. <laughs> oh man. So many times I'm like, I can't even be mad. This is totally, right. this is totally my fault. That out, like in plain <laughs> sight, asking them to do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it kind of goes along with permissive parenting, but mm. also I think it's something that is difficult when you fir- first become a gentle parent and you hear people saying gently appropriate. Um, you just kind of think, oh, okay, maybe that means like, I don't, I, I shouldn't do anything about it. Like I shouldn't. And so it can kind of keep you from, you know, intervening or, you know, doing something that you, you like to do. But Yeah. I do want to note too that there's no hard and fast rule on what is developmentally appropriate um, just across the board. Every child is different. Every environment is different. Um, Even between siblings, it can be vastly different for when they start understanding something and and kind of come to more of a mature way of handling it. Um, So I, I just figured that should be included in there. Yeah, I think that's a good note. Um, So moving on to the next one, gentle parenting only works if you are a stay at home parent. I, you know, I didn't know that was a misconception. Like I hadn't seen it, but when I saw it on the list, I was like, you know, I can see how people would feel that way because they might not think like I have enough time to, to connect and invest. Um, Do you think that's where that's coming from? Or around your kids in mm. order for it to be effective. Um, so you need to be there constantly. I can imagine if different, if there are more adults involved in the situation with care too, that that would feel kind of like a, a bump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is. Uh, I haven't seen it specifically like in the group or anything, but um, I have um, just noticed it in like different. listening to different podcasts and like rant like hearing people talk and stuff that it like the more people involved in caretaking um that the more difficult people find it or think that it will be and while um it is it is very helpful to have a um consistent um caretaker for a large portion of the time 
um, having multiple people caretaking uh, is not going to negate the importance of that type of that gentle parenting connection with parents with the primary caretakers um and i just think that can't that can't be overstated like how important it is for parents to focus on that connection with their kid no matter who else is involved in caretaking mm-hmm. i mean there's parents with um split custody too that i imagine uh, it's really difficult. I know gentle parents with split custody and there's so much that they give to their child. Even so, every little, every little connection matters. Knowing that your parent is, is like the captain of the ship and a safe captain of the ship is, I mean, it's really important even yeah. if it's just yeah. one parent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, on to the next, um, gentle parenting doesn't align with Christianity. This is a huge one for Christian parents. Um, We have, I think, done a pretty good job of addressing this in some previous episodes that we will link in the show notes, but I think it is worth bringing up um, that this couldn't be further from the truth Um, Gentle parenting is based in an appropriate use of authority, um, respect, respecting the um, image bearers around you, all of your neighbors, even the smallest ones, and extending them the courtesy that they uh, deserve as image bearers. And uh, it's just generally based in what I believe to be uh, biblical principles that up until this point in um, like American Christian history just haven't been extended to children. Yeah. I I mean, like you said, we've done episodes that kind of cover this topic in pieces, but um, kind of a quick run through of some of the arguments against it being biblical um, are uh, the the idea that we're commanded to discipline punitively, um, generally spank in scripture, and regardless of the varying like interpretations on Proverbs, there is nowhere that we are commanded to spank. It's just not there. Um, on the topic of Proverbs, so many of the verses are used to, that are used to demand justify corporal punishment are taken wildly context, and we did three episodes on those verses specifically with um, Dr. Don Owsley, and we will link those as well. Um, I think something that came to mind when I was thinking through this was kind of the like severe lack of understanding regarding emotions and feelings and the heart and the flesh, and that there's so many doctrines where emotion um, is is seen as being inherently sinful. Mm, and um, it can be oversimplified, conflated, convoluted, demonized, like we're designed to have physical and emotional responses to our environment. And the problem comes in when we react sinfully to our feelings and use them destructively. But we can see like, I mean, all across scripture, but Psalms comes to mind. Um, Like David was an incredibly emotional person. So if we're going on the definition of being expressive, then you will find in scripture people who were very expressive with their emotions who like from the bad guys to the good guys to 
the Lord himself. And obviously God cannot sin and is not corrupted, but our world has fallen and we fall short and the spirit can sanctify us in the area of self-control and patience and gentleness and the rest of the fruits of the spirit. Um, And dismissing the connection to emotional response there, I feel like is very short-sighted at best because our brains and our bodies respond to stress and the ability to process that like what is happening and regulate it is an important aspect of self-control. Like these aren't, they're not separate entirely. Like we have, we have a soul, we have a body, we have, um, we have emotions and feelings. I don't know which category that goes under, but, uh, <laughs> complex. Um, but like our kids in particular, going back to developmentally appropriate things, um, they don't have the capability to sort all of this out from infanthood or toddlerhood. And some people, I mean, there are people who genuinely teach that, that like, I can't remember who said it, but someone said discipline uh, begins the day you bring the baby home from the hospital and people teach that crying is manipulative. And I mean, that's extreme. I want to say that's Ted Tripp. I mean, it's Ted, right? Yeah. I want to say that's Ted Tripp. I think so. That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. So I didn't want to. That you've got to. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I guess we don't want to misquote somebody, but I do believe that that is Ted Tripp, that it's the, his assertion is that you have to assert, begin asserting your authority, authority from the, the day you bring them home from the hospital. Yeah. And I mean, you find stuff with like the problems in that um, idea from all camps uh, that advocate for corporal punishment. I mean, though it was presented as more secular, um, the Ezos with baby wise, like, just the fact that people really, really miss a basic understanding of development and what's appropriate and what is not sinful or bad. But, um, but either way, our kids just don't have the capability to reg- process and regulate and we need to disciple them in that. And that yeah. is what scripture teaches us about our world, our bodies, our sin nature and how to regulate ourselves. Um, and well, it will save them a bunch of money on therapy later. So, <laughs> I mean, I real. can't tell you how much I've paid because I think all of my emotions are sin, but it's oh a lot. <laughs> well, and and it's, yes, it's, it's that quote of- was definitely Ted Tripp. He uh, says specifically that it starts the day you bring them home from the hospital and you need to equate them with authority and submission when they are infants. Absolutely absurd. Body Bacham with his uh, vipers and diapers. Like there's this idea that they're so much more complex, but somehow we miss the complexity of their development by assuming that they're just super evil and manipulative. And I want to like interpret that with a lot of grace, but jokes like that, if, if you even take it to be a joke instead of being sincere, like what is that teaching the children that are in the audience listening to you? Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's how I grew up with that idea that I was someone to be broken, essentially. Yes. I was born with this in nature, which is true. Um, but, but that, you don't like, need to be broken. You already are broken. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it was to like break our sinful spirits. And there was this, my mom used to say, um, I mean, we've talked about this type of stuff too. So um, I feel like it's safe to share that like, and I hear it from other people, but when, like, as soon as kids start talking, they start lying and yeah, things like that. And wow. like, that's just kind of forced on you uh, as a child. And it's something that is very confusing. Um, 
yeah, I feel like it's confusing at best and traumatizing at worst. Um, well, I think there's this, what really bothers me and where I think the distinction gets super muddied is instead of approaching sin and our sin nature from a perspective of we need to be like filtering our responses and things through what we know to be true and true from God's word, there's that. And then there's like this almost like assumption that everything that comes from you is sinful mm -hmm. yeah. and is lying from sin. You know, like a little kid who developmentally is probably more just imagining what they would like to be true or kind of hoping to be true or maybe they can make it true if they say it's true and they're not actually like saying right and they're We've not some of our kids guess when someone asks them something about like well how did this happen they'll be like hmm uh, well hmm. my brother came in and did this and this and this and this and they're like why are you lying and the kid is like huh like <laughs> there's really just right <laughs> and that is such a that's such a frustrating thing for me because it makes you it, it just makes you feel like every single part of you is not only like prone to wander you know but like that you have that propensity to to choose yourself and choose selfishness but also that it just is necessarily selfish to do x y or z and, mm -hmm. and to feel x y or z yeah and, and just, there's definitely yeah. feelings that come out of having like a problematic heart about something i recognize that in myself all the time and when mm -hmm. i realize it um, I mean, that's something I process through, like figure out what's going on, yeah, repent yeah. and uh, pray for further sanctification. And yeah. it's, that's, I mean, that's kind of like regulating. Right. I'm not saying I'm perfect at that, obviously. Um, um, and I think a lot of people think it's kind of weird and unbiblical to like, I mean, let the kids have their emotions, um, and help them process and regulate. But it's kind of funny because like that's what we do as adults. No one's spanking us. We might get in trouble in certain circumstances, but when we're having a hard time, we tell ourselves or other people like take a breath, uh, take a walk, get some tea, have some you time, uh, and that's that's regulating. That's realizing that there's an issue, and that's regulating. And that's not. It just seems like when it's applied to kids, people think it's a lot more liberal yeah. than it really is. Yeah. Well, there's this weird thing that almost attributes processing and thinking about and like going through your emotions and all this this stuff is like worldly psychology and it's like okay, well then what the heck was David doing throughout the Psalms? What the oh heck gosh, was Job yes. doing? What the heck was I mean, Jonah was like, no, I mean, maybe not a great example because he was like, <laughs> not a great guy, but like, none of them were. And I mean, what were any of them doing when they were like crying out to God? There's like, they, they're feeling things. They're going to God with them. And it's not just about like, oh, give it to God and forget about it. Like, oh, just give it, like cry out to God and say, hey, God, you take care of this. Like, no, like you've got to work through this. Like you have to as well. Like it's, it almost is reminiscent to me of saying like, 
oh, don't go to the doctor, just give this tumor to God. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, don't go to the grocery store, just pray for food. Like, don't go look for a job, just pray for money. Like, there are actual things that people can do to to do what they need to do day to day. And part of that is emotional. It's because we are emotional creatures. It exists and you have to reckon with it just like you have to reckon with needing money and needing food and needing medical attention, you know? Part of the design and our world is definitely fallen, obviously, but that doesn't mean that every aspect of it is, like every aspect of our experience is is problematic. Right. Yeah. Just because we're having an experience. I mean, like obviously <laughs> Christ is perfect, but he wasn't calling out to God before the crucifixion because he was ungrateful or didn't trust the plan or like or was complaining. Yeah, or <laughs> anything sinful. Anything at all. He was crying out to God because he had emotions. I mean, he cried for his his friend who died, who he knew was coming back. And we see throughout scripture that God has like intense and deep emotion and we're made in his image and that's part of that and so kind of just denying that it's not inherently sinful to feel or to have a response to your environment is not biblical i think it's part of the human experience obviously (laughs) yeah clearly and i think that's to kind of cap this off unless you guys have anything like more that you really really want to say i i think one of the most um impactful things to me is that jesus asked for this cup to be spared from him Mm -hmm. to be spared him this this cup like he this is jesus god of the universe asking god the father to change the plan You know, like, I mean, straight up asking him, and that was not sinful. And I think that's like, man, you know, of course, the the other important aspect is that is that he submitted himself to the will of the father and he did, he went on, he continued on with the plan. But he, Mm -hmm. I think it's even fair to say that he was afraid, like he's sweating blood. That doesn't come from just like strolling up to God's will, like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to like get through this. No problem. Like he was really affected. And I think that is like from a human perspective, that is just one of the most um, just one of the most important. I don't know about if I would say important, just one of the most impactful things to me about observing jesus's life here and feeling kind of connected to him on a human level yeah i was about to say um that knowing that christ can i mean god can empathize without having anything because he's god but the fact that he sent his son who experienced intensely stressful situations and just human life and lived as a man like just it means that much more to know that when we're suffering, like Jesus suffered too, and he loves us and he understands pain and how intense things are. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's a really <laughs> that's a really good one for me to to think about. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode so far. We had a great time recording it, but unfortunately we ran into some technical difficulties, so we had to stop and re-record the rest of it later. So um, be looking out for the second half of this episode where we cover um, a few more gentle parenting misconceptions. Thanks again, and we hope this was a good introduction to a bunch of different topics um, that could obviously be talked about more. If you have any questions or you'd like to continue this discussion, uh, please hop on over to our uh, Tending Lambs Facebook group where there's all sorts of fun discussions like this all the time. Um, We would love to see you in there. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. There's always so much more that can be said. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us in the Tending Lambs Facebook group. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash tendinglambs, Instagram at tendinglambs, and for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out tendinglambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tendinglambs. And as always, until next time.